This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Hey guys, welcome back to Thoughts and Talks with Tishney. Today I have a very special guest here with me. She's a fo- former politician. She served as a member of the parliament for Dunedin South for the last 12 years and only retired after this year's election. She's also been the Minister of Broadcasting, Communications and Digital Media and the Associate Minister for the ACC. Quite an impressive resume, I must say. Thank you. <laughs> I'm so excited to hear about her experience and perspective during COVID and the lockdown and how she's helped people of Dunedin South and represented them through such an uncertain time. So, without further ado, welcome Claire Curran. Kia ora everybody and thank you Tishnu for inviting me to talk to you, very happy to do so. Thank you for joining me, I'm so excited. <laughs> so Claire, tell me what made you become a politician? <sighs> I get I get asked that question a lot and um, it's there's no one thing. Um, I never ever thought of myself as being a politician, I, but I've always been political and I've always um, worked for um, organisations or for myself on things that I believed in. Um, in fact, the only times I haven't done that, I've been really hopeless at whatever it is I've been doing. So um, <clears throat> I think um, it was in my blood, um, politics, and uh, I, I, I was away in Australia for quite a few years and when I came back and started up my own business um, doing communications um, work, PR work for organisations that didn't have a lot of money um, and that needed a stronger voice um, somebody put the idea in my head and I'd been involved in the Labour Party before that but I'd never ever thought of myself as a politician but once the idea was in my head it sort of grew and I thought, well, if not now, when? And, you know, should it, is it time for me to stand up? So I put my hand up and I got elected. And, you know, 12 years later, I, I'm leaving. But that doesn't mean I'm going to stop being political. Yeah. Um, why the Labour Party? Well, I, um, I guess my roots are Irish, um, working class Irish Catholic, actually. And um, while I'm not a practicing Catholic, uh, the values that underpin the Labour Party, compassion, um, justice, social justice, uh, fairness, uh, all of those sorts of things um, are kind of what Catholicism is supposed to be about. And um, I don't know, really, there was never a, a time when I made a conscious decision I think I just grew up with it my parents were my dad was Labour my mother was sort of more of a swinging voter Um, but um, I think it it was just in my DNA to be honest Mm -hmm. and most people don't know what a Minister of Parliament does so can you explain a little bit what you do what you did sorry well as a member of parliament or as a minister minister and and member well well, very different (laughs) very very different different. yeah um so as a member of parliament when you're elected if you're an electorate mp which i was um dunedin south which is now called the tidy electorate um 
you have a constituent office and you have you have two main roles really one in your electorate so one in Dunedin and and then another set of roles in Wellington when you go up there um, the representation of your constituents people who come into your office with issues they ring up they turn up off the street um, whether their health issues can't get an operation can't get an appointment with a specialist um, housing can't get can't afford housing um, can't, needs to get into social housing there isn't enough social housing um, so they go often they come to the MP um, immigration people trying to get visas trying to get residency um, or for family members or for themselves um, ACC issues um, all kinds of things that people find themselves in trouble and often the MP's office is the last resort so often when you when people come in they're desperate and upset and sometimes angry uh, and you have to um, be you know I've, I've, I've very rarely in my 12 years did I ever refuse to deal with somebody um, but I always tried to help everyone who came in through my door in Wellington it's different you sit on select committees you sit in the house you um, pass legislate you help to pass legislation or vote against legislation if you're in opposition um, you have a range of roles um, when if you're lucky enough to become a minister in the government of the day which I was um, then you have responsibility for a um, quite significant portfolio area which means that you have to advocate try and get um, um, sufficient money to 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 in initiate reforms to make sure that the government policy is being enacted in those areas and um, and and manage your portfolio areas well so um, yeah it's a huge range of skills and um, you know <laughs> it's a multitude of jobs in one really yeah, amazing. Um, what is the hardest or the most challenging part of your job? Well, there's more than one, really. Um, the the being away from home is probably, you know, the the on a personal level the hardest um, thing, especially if you've got kids. I, my boys, I've got twins. They're now twenty. They were nine when I went into parliament, and um, or eight, uh, and. Uh, that, you know, being a, a, a parent from afar is not easy and so that was tough and um, and and I guess, you know, I don't think it would be a surprise for people listening to, to hear me say that the constant scrutiny and um, from a, a media perspective and the nastiness that goes with that um, and the, the kind of gotcha mentality that we have in our Society where there's an attempt always looking for slip-ups, mistakes, and to amplify them and to make them into bigger things that will pull you down. Um, that's probably, you know, the toughest part of politics. Mm. Uh, talking about politics, <laughs> what has been your biggest accomplishment? Um, again, it's really hard to pick one. <laughs> I did not say it all. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think... Um, I think, you know, I'm I'm known for a, a couple of things: um, uh, the hillside workshops, the engineering rail engineering workshops in South Dunedin that were shut down by the 
um, former national government in 2012, and I never gave up. Um, swore that we would, that a Labor government would bring them back, and we have. And um, it's you know smaller than before, but growing, and and will be, and is is now undertaking maintenance work on rail carriages and the Prime Minister has given a commitment that there will be new builds there again and taking on apprenticeships Um, you know in its heyday Hillside had about 2,000 workers, it's only got you know a few dozen at the moment but that's going to grow into the 100 over 100 and hopefully more than that Um, and again Hillside you know I hope will be the engineering heart of um, Dunedin um, also fighting for South Dunedin, um, advocating very strongly for probably uh, most so low socio-economic part of Dunedin, um, very densely populated, um, and uh, and you know with the issues around rising sea levels under the ground, um, the pressure that was building around um, you know. With managed retreat of South Dunedin, pe- you know, people having to move out. There were, you know, there are people in Dunedin who think, oh, you know, they're all going to have to go because the sea's going to claim South Dunedin again. Well, you know, that may happen at some point in the future, but if it happens in South Dunedin, it'll happen in a lot of other parts of the Dunedin and coastal parts of New Zealand. Um, and it was sort of raising the profile of that incredibly important community and making sure that um, preserving it and enabling it to live a better, you know, live in better ways, um, people to live in better ways um, was a higher priority. Mm, amazing. This is so cool. How did now, um, going back to COVID and how you experienced it, tell me how did you do your job and what did you do during this? Well, as a busy electric MP, it was sort of kind of a bit weird because we all had to sort of exit the office immediately, just like everyone else. Um, <clears throat> my incredibly good staff um, and I um, immediately, we, we had planned, we'd had a few weeks to think about this, so I had made sure that everyone had the capacity to work from home. And um, so, you know, we picked up all our, you know, computers, etc., and and we just would have Zoom calls every um, every day, uh, and um, but there was a tsunami of um, of people in distress who were phoning. Um, they obviously couldn't come into the office, but phoning con- contacted me on Facebook. I mean, that was how I had many of my um, requests for help, um, emailing. Etc. And so my staff and I worked round the clock pretty much for the first few weeks um, because it, there was just so many calls coming in, so many people needing help. And, um, you know, they were incredibly varied sort of requests, but, and I, I know that everyone around the country was dealing with the same things. But, you know, whether it was, you know, income-related, you know, what, what happens to my job, um, you know, how am I going to survive? How am I going to be able to pay the rent and the bills, etc.? Um, you know, how do I, can I? I'm a care worker. You know, going into people's homes. How, how do I get access to PPE? Um, you know, I'm a vulnerable person. I need the flu vaccine. How can I get it? Um, businesses, a lot of businesses contacting us. How can they stay? Can they stay open if they shut? How are they going to survive? 
you know, the so the wage subsidy was so important, but it was getting people information in that first week was so so critical, and so we were just conduits of information out out you know getting out as much as we possibly could, trying to connect people with the right people, and then um, and then there were the really difficult situations people were in, like people who were overseas trying to get back desperately and. Uh, working with foreign affairs to get people back, but fam- people of family members overseas, um, people who had relatives who would um, who had died or were dying in rest homes or um, trying to get in to see them, say the goodbyes. That was probably one of the hardest things about COVID was that you couldn't um, people people couldn't see their loved ones. They couldn't go and hold their hand as they died. They weren't allowed in. It's really hard. Um, you know, just older people. How do I get groceries? I've been told not to leave the house, but how do I get my groceries? And then how do I pay for my groceries? I don't do internet banking, you know. So uh, incredible amount of um, issues, you know, people with symptoms, you know, trying to get access to te- or symptoms they thought could be COVID. How do they get access to testing? To, um, and then there were the people who wanted to dob other people in. <laughs> And so there were quite a few of them uh, who, you know, weren't sticking to the rules. Um, so, yeah, we worked really hard. I've got incredible staff and they just, um, we just, we just all went flat tack for weeks and uh, hope we helped make a difference. Mm. Would you say that was the most challenging bit period of your job as a politician? No. No? <laughs> what no. was the I thing? mean, it was challenging. Um and it was relentless, and but it was doing our jobs. And we know, you know, as an electorate MP, you know how to do your job and get people information, um, advocate on their behalf, push until you can try and get an outcome for them, etc. Um, look, lots of different challenges I've had over that 12 years. The floods in South Dunedin were probably were really awful, were very painful for hundreds of people who... Um, some people lost everything or, you know, their houses um, uh, contaminated with sewerage-ridden floodwaters, um, especially older people, people with disabilities, vulnerable people, um, put in terrible situations. And, you know, the city did not handle that well at the, at the time and a lot of people were left really feeling on their own. And so the MP had to play a really important role um, to try and get people the help that they needed. Um, you know, and then there's been really hard times for me, you know, under under pressure uh, as a minister um, uh, and and also, you know, when our party, I mean, look at the last election, how Labour has done so well. Uh, well, over my 12 years in Parliament, there's been at least two elections where Labor did really badly. <laughs> and so, you know, dealing with all of the, those sorts of difficult internal issues and relationships and um, the sort of soul-searching that goes on within a political party when you're disconnected from the people, you know, so being through lots of those experiences as well. So, yeah, a multitude, really, of things. And what surprised you about our community during lockdown and COVID in general? Yeah, incredible. I, I, I'm just, you know, take my hat off to people uh, as to how quickly 
people responded. We just stopped work. We went home. We stayed home. And um, and we got on with our lives. And we found ways to work around the situation, working from home. Um, you know, people that had housefuls of kids who couldn't go to school and, and trying to work out how to homeschool them for that, for that period. You know, um, older people who just hunkered down and, you know, and didn't complain. Um, I'm just, you know, in awe of the resilience of our community and, and how we all kind of looked after each other. And when you'd go for your walk, um, you know, carefully... Um, social distancing, <laughs> social distancing, yeah. but how friendly people were to each other, you know, because we all had a sort of a kinship with each other. We were all in the same boat. Uh, it didn't matter, you know, how much money you had, or you know, whether you had a boat in the, <laughs> in the driveway or whatever. We were all in the same situation, and um, and I think we all cared about each other more. And I I, I believe that the silver lining of COVID is that there's a kind of collectivism has emerged in the New Zealand society that it was probably there in a late, more latent way, but it's come to the surface more where we actually do know that our strength as a nation is in um, our health um, and in, in, in making sure that everybody around you is okay. And did you... Uh, did the lockdown change your perspective on certain things like living in New Zealand or like s- taking granted things that we didn't really yeah I think, think. every but I think that would have been the case for everyone i mean i've I've long having lived outside new zealand i've um, i've I've always been aware of how important how lucky I am to live in New Zealand but not just live in New Zealand to live in Dunedin mm. um you know, this plucky little city at the end of the country, nearly at the end of the country, is um, has everything that we need um, and is a safe place to grow up. It's quirky, it's got great arts, you know, it's got a lot of life, it's got incredible natural um, environment. And, you know, we should not take it for granted. And I think... I think lockdown gave people a lot of time to think about what was important in life and, you know, hopefully I think people have thought more about travelling in New Zealand rather than travelling overseas. And um, and just one further thing, I was at Marta 10 yesterday and apparently, you know, gardening has become the huge new thing in New Zealand. Oh, really? <laughs> Uh, is it one of your things? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's always been one of my things, but I've never had much time to do it. But I, I think that's what a lot of people would say, and now they've got lots and lots of time. Yeah. So, Claire, why are you retiring now after 12 years? It's time. Uh, you know, you don't own your seat uh, in Parliament. You're there for a certain amount of time, and I think it's important to know when it's time to leave. And... Um, and I, I'm just glad that I got to make that decision, and the decision wasn't made for me by, by you know, by the, the voting public. Um, you know, I think I think if I'd chosen to stay, people would have voted me back in again. But I think it was time to pass the baton to somebody else, and uh, and I'm glad I have. And I know Ingrid Leary will do a great job for the people of Tauri. And now that you're retired, 
What are you most looking forward to doing? Well, I'm having a few months um, off in the sense that, you know, doing the projects around the home that I've really been putting off. Well deserved. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and just taking a bit of time to sort of reclaim normal citizenship, really, um, and remember, you know, what it was like to not be a member of parliament. So um, spending a bit more time with my family and and friends that, you know, I've neglected for a long time. And just, you know, taking a bit of time to think about what it is, what it is that I want to do next. Um, so, yeah. And Claire, the last thing, how would you say you, like, if I wanted to become a minister of parliament or um, a member of parliament, how would you go about doing that? Well, <laughs> well for people listening too, not just me. <laughs> um, I think if, you know... You've got to work out what you believe in. Start with yourself. You know, who are you? What is it that you believe in? What are your values? Um, and what really matters to you? And have you got a drive to try and change things um, to certain things? Have you got you know certain things that you really, really believe passionately in? Um, and join a political party um, that matches your values. And uh, and work really hard on the ground to demonstrate that you've got commitment. Uh, and um, and you know, hopefully you will have some skills, um, public speaking, confidence. You know, but being able to talk, being able to hold an argument, etc. And put your hand up for positions, uh, and you know, to to get experience, and tell people that you're interested. And ask advice and see and get some mentors, so that you get good advice along the way. I mean, that's really the way to get into Parliament. Thank you so much, Claire. This has honestly been so amazing. I've learned a lot about you, and it's really good. Thank <laughs> you. Really I've really great. enjoyed it. And thank you for serving us for the last twelve years. It's been amazing because I, I am from South Dunedin, so I've seen your work. So thank you. You're welcome. And thank you guys for listening in and tuning in to Thoughts and Talks with Tishni. These episodes are on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, so check them out. And yeah, goodbye for now. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.